2: My name is Miriam Marston, and I'm glad that you're tuning in as we continue to explore week after week the missionary dimension of the Catholic Church. Now, when we think of missionaries, we might think of someone who travels far away from home in order to share the gospel. It's interesting then that the patroness of the missions is a young woman who barely left her convent and died at the age of 24. She may not have traveled far, but her prayers and her spiritual writings have traveled very far indeed. St. Therese of Lisieux, also known as the Little Flower, was a Carmelite nun in Normandy. Her spiritual autobiography, The Story of a Soul, is one of the most widely read spiritual autobiographies of modern times. She was canonized in 1925 and declared a Doctor of the Church in 1997. And just this month, and at the time of this recording, it's October of 2023, Pope Francis released an apostolic exhortation on St. Therese of Lisieux entitled, C'est la Confiance, on confidence in the merciful love of God. He released this document for the 150th anniversary of the birth of St. Therese. And since the little flower is the patron saint of missionaries, I thought it would be good to take some time during this episode to reflect on the Holy Father's recent exhortation and draw from it inspiration for our own evangelical efforts. But before we dive into the document, I thought I would share a song with you all. Now, many years ago, I read a fascinating biography on St. Therese of Lisieux called The Hidden Face. And at the end of the book, there was a short section on Therese's sister named Leonie. Now really, Leonie was among the first to follow her younger sister's spirituality of the little way, living out the call to holiness among the pots and pans, to paraphrase St. Teresa of Avila. In 1935, Leonie wrote um, in a letter addressed to her sisters, "'I want to be so little that Jesus is forced to keep me in His arms.' She adds, My spirituality is that of my Therese, and as a result, that of our holy founder, St. Francis de Sales. His doctrine and hers are all one. She is the soul of whom our great doctor was dreaming. I am in a state of perfect abandonment. You know, these words of spiritual surrender are particularly moving in light of Leonie's long road to religious life and the obstacles she encountered and the the desires she had to set aside in order to follow God's will. Leonie wanted desperately to become a Carmelite like her four sisters, but after several failed attempts at the religious life, she was finally accepted into a community of visitation nuns. So from the start, honestly, life did not grant her many favors. We are told that she was a sickly child, um, had a very stubborn and rebellious character. Um, Listen to what her mother had to say about her in a letter. She wrote, I am fairly pleased with Leonie. If we could only subdue her obstinacy and soften her character, she would be a good girl, faithful and unafraid of the suffering she must endure. She has a will of iron. When she wants something, she will fight her way past any obstacle to reach her goal. Later, she wrote, I don't know what to do with Leony. She does exactly as she pleases. And still later, as for Leonie, only God can change her, and I am confident that he will. You know, the more I read of Lainey's story, I became certain that I'd found a friend in her. I could resonate with someone like her who who had a habit of making people just throw their arms up in the air out of frustration. But her story also gave me a lot of hope because as stubborn as she was, the tender heart of Jesus was even more determined. In the end, God really did change her heart and her ways. Lainey's faithfulness carried her through every scrape and skirmish and she didn't surrender to other people's opinions of her. She knew that in the end, the only opinion that mattered belonged to God alone. She desired above all else to amend her life so that it would rise like incense to the Lord, releasing the sweet aroma of a life well lived. In the end, her faithfulness triumphed over those who were not convinced that she'd ever amount to much. She's now been declared a servant of God, and many are praying that her cause moves forward towards canonization. So I suppose I do have uh, somewhat of, of a deep affection for those heroes and leaders and saints who emerge from the most unlikely places. Consider the words from 1 Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature, because I have rejected him. God does not see as a mortal who sees the appearance. The Lord looks into the heart. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives here. Now, Jesse was so sure that his son David was nothing more than a shepherd, um, so he didn't even bother to summon him. So how wonderful is it that the Lord looks into the heart. He sees our potential even before we see it for ourselves. If we cling, as Leonie did, to the call of Christ, which resounds in the depths of the soul, then we can more easily brush off any discouraging whispers or raised eyebrows. We have to stay close to the words of St. Paul, especially when pressure comes in from all sides. He writes, Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. If we believe that others perhaps don't expect much of us, then we risk sinking into the kind of spiritual sluggishness that agrees with the world's diagnosis— We think, well, I can't contribute much anyway, so I may as well just give up now and at least try to live a comfortable life here on the outside looking in. Ah, but the Lord will find you even if you are on the periphery because, curiously enough, the margins are where the heroic stories really start taking shape. I mean, let's look at Jesus himself. He was crucified like a common criminal, and those who put him to death wanted to make the point that his ministry was empty and forgettable. There's the example of St. John Vianney, who, after struggling with his seminary studies, was assigned to a remote parish that his superiors thought matched the smallness of Vianney's priestly potential. We can't forget St. Thomas Aquinas, who was dubbed the dumb ox by his classmates. And right up to Leonie Martin, the sickly and stubborn middle child who wouldn't be satisfied until she'd done her best to follow Christ into the convent. These were men and women who mustered up the courage to step forward in faith when it could have been less burdensome just to remain on the sidelines and, and not allow grace to transform their lives. So here is my song inspired by the lesser known sister of St. Therese of Lisieux, and I'll be back on the other side of the song with excerpts from Pope Francis's recent apostolic exhortation.
0: Were the ones she read As she went to bed That made her leave the light On just in case The dragons lingered right outside her room Ready to surprise In the night But it's alright She had her sword by her side You never told If you stayed a while, you could tell
2: So on October 15th, 2023, the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila, Pope Francis released an apostolic exhortation on St. Therese of Lisieux. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, St. Therese is the patron saint of missionaries. And as this program is really all about that missionary spirit which animates the life of the Church, it seemed fitting to reflect on this latest document from Rome and see what we can glean from her spirituality and um, the witness of her confidence in the love and mercy of Jesus. So Pope Francis begins... C'est la confiance et rien que la confiance qui doit nous conduire à l'amour. It is confidence and nothing but confidence that must lead us to love. These striking words of Saint Therese of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face say it all. They sum up the genius of her spirituality and would suffice to justify the fact that she has been named a doctor of the Church. Confidence, nothing but confidence, is the sole path that leads us to the love that grants everything. With confidence, the wellspring of grace overflows into our lives. The gospel takes flesh within us and makes us channels of mercy for our brothers and sisters. The earthly life of St. Therese was brief, a mere 24 years, and completely ordinary, first in her family and then in the Carmel of Lisieux. The extraordinary burst of light and love that she radiated came to be known soon after her death, with the publication of her writings and thanks to the countless graces bestowed on the faithful who invoked her intercession. The Church quickly recognized her great significance and the distinctiveness of her evangelical spirituality. Not long after her death, St. Pius X, sensing her spiritual grandeur, stated that she would become the greatest saint of modern times. In the name that Therese chose as a religious, Jesus stands out as the child who manifests the mystery of the incarnation and the holy face of the one who surrendered himself completely on the cross. She is St. Therese of the child Jesus and the holy face. The name of Jesus was constantly on her lips as an act of love even to her last breath. She had also written these words in her cell, "'Jesus is my one love.'" It was her interpretation of the supreme statement of the New Testament, "'God is love.'" I want to pause here in the exhortation. I love this habit of constantly keeping the name of Jesus on our lips. How ready are we to speak the name of Jesus? A missionary disciple is someone who is always prepared to speak that holy name and turn to that holy name first before uttering another word or turning to some other object or person. But let's continue with the document. As with every authentic encounter with Christ, this experience of faith summoned her to mission. Therese could define her mission in these words, I shall desire in heaven the same thing as I do now on earth. To love Jesus and to make him loved. She wrote that she entered Carmel to save souls. In a word, she did not view her consecration to God apart from the pursuit of the good of her brothers and sisters. She shared the merciful love of the Father for his sinful son and the love of the Good Shepherd for the sheep who were lost, astray, and wounded. For this reason, Therese is the patroness of the missions and a model of evangelization. The final pages of her story of a soul are a missionary testament. They express her appreciation of the fact that evangelization takes place by attraction, not by pressure or proselytism. It is worthwhile reading her own words in this regard. Draw me, we shall run after you in the odor of your ointments, O Jesus. It is not even necessary to say, When drawing me, draw the souls whom I love. This simple statement, draw me, suffices. I understand, Lord, that when a soul allows herself to be captivated by the odor of your ointments, she cannot run alone. All the souls whom she loves follow in her train. This is done without constraint, without effort. It is a natural consequence of her attraction for you. Just as a torrent throwing itself with impetuosity into the ocean drags after it everything it encounters in its passage, in the same way, O Jesus, the soul who plunges into the shoreless ocean of your love draws with her all the treasures she possesses. Lord, you know it, I have no other treasures than the souls it has pleased you to unite to mine. In this passage, Therese quotes the words of the bride to the bridegroom in the Song of Songs, following the profound interpretation found in the writings of the doctors of Carmel, St. Teresa of Avila, and St. John of the Cross. The Bridegroom is Jesus, the Son of God, who united Himself to our humanity in the Incarnation and redeemed it on the cross. There, from His open side, He gave birth to the Church, His beloved Bride, for which He gave His life. What is striking is that Therese, conscious of her own impending death, did not approach this mystery merely as a source of personal consolation, but in a fervent, apostolic spirit. We see something similar when Therese speaks of the working of the Holy Spirit, which immediately takes on a missionary hue. That is my prayer. I ask Jesus to draw me to the flames of His love, to unite me so closely to Him that He live and act in me. I feel that the more the fire of love burns within my heart, the more I shall say, draw me. The more also the souls who will approach me, poor little piece of iron, useless if I withdraw from the divine furnace, the more these souls will run swiftly in the odor of the ointments of their beloved, for a soul that is burning with love cannot remain inactive. In the heart of Therese, the grace of baptism became this impetuous torrent flowing into the ocean of Christ's love and dragging in its wake a multitude of brothers and sisters. This is what happened especially after her death. It was her promised shower of roses. Pope Francis continues, One of the most important insights of Therese for the benefit of the entire people of God is her little way, the path of trust and love, also known as the way of spiritual childhood. Everyone can follow this way, whatever their age or state in life— It is the way that the Heavenly Father reveals to the little ones. In the story of a soul, Therese tells how she discovered the little way. I can then, in spite of my littleness, aspire to holiness. It is impossible for me to grow up, and so I must bear with myself such as I am, with all my imperfections. But I want to seek out a means of going to heaven by a little way, a way that is very straight, very short, and totally new. To describe that way, she uses the image of an elevator. The elevator which must raise me to heaven is your arms, O Jesus. And for this, I had no need to grow up, but rather I had to remain little and become this more and more. Little, incapable of being confident in herself and yet firmly secure in the loving power of the Lord's arms. Therese, for her part, wished to highlight the primacy of God's action. She encourages us to have complete confidence as we contemplate the love of Christ poured out to the end. At the heart of her teaching is the realization that, since we are incapable of being certain about ourselves, we cannot be sure of our merits. Hence, it is not possible to trust in our own efforts or achievements. The Catechism chose to quote the words that St. Therese addressed to the Lord, I will appear before you with empty hands, in order to express that the saints have always had a lively awareness that their merits were pure grace. This conviction gives rise to a joyful and tender gratitude. Her boundless confidence encourages all who feel frail, limited, and sinful to let themselves be elevated and transformed in order to reach greater heights. If all weak and imperfect souls felt what the least of souls feels, that is, the soul of your little Therese, not one would despair of reaching the summit of the Mount of Love. Jesus does not demand great actions from us, but simply surrender and gratitude. The insistence of Therese on God's initiative leads her, when speaking of the Eucharist, to put first not her desire to receive Jesus in Holy Communion, but rather the desire of Jesus to unite Himself to us and to dwell in our hearts. In her act of oblation to merciful love, saddened by her inability to receive communion each day, she tells Jesus, "'Remain in me as in a tabernacle.'" Her gaze remained fixed not on herself and her own needs, but on Christ who loves, seeks, desires, and dwells within. The Holy Father continues Therese experienced faith most powerfully and surely in the midst of the dark night, and especially amid the darkness of Calvary. Her witness culminated in the final months of her life in the great trial against the faith that began at Easter of 1896. In her account, she directly relates this period of testing to the painful reality of the atheism of her time. The last years of the 19th century were the golden age of modern atheism as a philosophical and ideological system. When she wrote that Jesus allowed her soul to be invaded by the thickest darkness, she was evoking the darkness of atheism and the rejection of the Christian faith. In union with Jesus, who took upon himself all the darkness of the sin of the world when he willed to drink from the cup of the passion, Therese came to appreciate its underlying sense of despair and sheer emptiness. Yet darkness cannot overcome the light. Therese had been conquered by the one who came as light into the world. Her account reveals the heroic nature of her faith, her triumph in spiritual combat with the most powerful temptations. She felt herself a sister to atheists, seated with them at the table like Jesus who sat with sinners. She interceded for them, ever renewing her own act of faith in constant loving communion with the Lord." I run toward my Jesus. I tell Him I am ready to shed my blood to the last drop to profess faith in the existence of heaven. I tell Him, too, that I am happy not to enjoy this beautiful heaven on this earth so that He will open it for all eternity to poor unbelievers. This exhortation on St. Therese allows me to observe that, in a missionary church, the message has to concentrate on the essentials, on what is most beautiful, most grand, most appealing, and at the same time, most necessary. The message is simplified while losing none of its depth and truth, and thus becomes all the more forceful and convincing. The luminous core of that message is the beauty of the saving love of God made manifest in Jesus Christ who died and rose from the dead. At times, the only quotes we find cited from this saint are secondary to her message or deal with things she has in common with any other saint, such as prayer, sacrifice, Eucharistic piety, and any number of other beautiful testimonies. Yet in this way, we could be depriving ourselves of what is most specific about her gift to the Church. We forget that each saint is a mission planned by the Father to reflect and embody at a specific moment in history a certain aspect of the gospel. Indeed, to recognize the word that the Lord wishes to speak to us through one of His saints, we do not need to get caught up in details. What we need to contemplate is the totality of their life, their entire journey of growth and holiness, the reflection of Jesus Christ that emerges when we grasp their overall meaning as a person. In an age that urges us to focus on ourselves and on our own interests, Therese shows us the beauty of making our lives a gift— At a time when the most superficial needs and desires are glorified, she testifies to the radicalism of the gospel. In an age of individualism, she makes us discover the value of a love that becomes intercession for others. At a time when human beings are obsessed with grandeur and new forms of power, she points out to us the little way. In an age that casts aside so many of our brothers and sisters, she teaches us the beauty of concern and responsibility for one another. At a time of great complexity, she can help us rediscover the importance of simplicity, the absolute primacy of love, trust, and abandonment, and thus move beyond a legalistic or moralistic mindset that would fill the Christian life with rules and regulations and cause the joy of the gospel to grow cold. In an age of indifference and self-absorption, Therese inspires us to be missionary disciples captivated by the attractiveness of Jesus and the gospel. Now, the Pope closes this exhortation with a prayer to St. Therese, and I will do likewise in this episode as we pray. Dear St. Therese, The Church needs to radiate the brightness, the fragrance, and the joy of the gospel. Send us Your roses. Help us to be, like Yourself, ever confident in God's immense love for us, so that we may imitate each day Your little way of holiness. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in as we've been reading through Pope Francis's latest apostolic exhortation on St. Therese of Lisieux. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to hear stories of how the Holy Spirit inspires us to do small things with great love. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all.
1: You've been listening to Blazing the Trail. A weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matreday Radio in Portland, Oregon.